Hi, welcome to another exciting episode of Lion City Rock, the only podcast about local music from Singapore that you never knew you needed to know until now. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, in the past couple of episodes, we talked a lot of quite a bit about the Indias in Singapore. Um, but in case those of you out there are just wondering what exactly is indie music or what are the indie years? in Singapore's music history. Um, that's what we're going to discuss for this episode. Um, yep. yep. So I'm here, Chris, and with me is my ever-favorite companion to discuss all things indie with Kevin Matthews. Say hello, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, indie music, what's that all about? Mm. Um, actually, the term indie music itself, it's a very, very ambiguous term these days. I think it's, it's conflated with a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Uh, originally, the idea of indie music was uh, attributed to an indie label, an independent recording company that was not part of any of the major labels. So any bands that recorded under these labels, they will be indie bands, and any music that they put out would be attributed to indie music. Another alternative name for indie music was called alternative music. <laughs> An alternative name was alternative <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I mean, especially uh, it was used primarily by, by U.S. bands and, and U.S. media to talk about music that wasn't, you know, categorized mm. under your major mm, 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 mm. labels like pop, yeah. blues, R&B, or metal, and, and usually encompass music that was derived from the slightly lesser-known genres like punk, mm. uh, hardcore, even new wave and stuff like that, yeah. like electro music. Yeah. So I think punk is a good uh, starting point, as in most things. Uh, yeah, nineteen. Well, we can argue to the cows come home as to when <laughs> when, it when start. punk started. <laughs> right? but I think most people recognize uh, that punk basically you have the New York scene and the London scene. Mm. Uh, and New York scene basically is kind of mid mid um, mid seventies with the with the Ramones, Talking Heads, Television, the CBGB scene, so, mm. so to speak. Right, and then it uh, at the same time also it was happening in, in the UK in London, uh, where you have like the Damned and, and Sex Pistols, and then the Clash and the Jam, and all these various bands, right? So obviously, I mean, people always argue about where, where who started it first, whether it's, it's New York or London. So you can kind of argue that it's all all kind of came together at the same time, but that's kind of the starting point. I'm bad. 
I mean, the whole idea of punk actually uh, wasn't so much the music itself, but the whole attitude, yeah. um, you know, of doing it, going it out and doing your things your own way. So you see all the bands dressing in a certain way and stuff like that. And in the punk scene, I think, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot, of, a lot of the times, it was just a matter of what you felt. Your music was also portrayed what they felt like at the time. And uh, a lot of it is very fast, very aggressive. And it was basically, it was like a, a second countercultural movement, basically countering all the stuff that came before, the pop sounds of the early 70s, which was very saccharine, yeah. very sweet, yeah. very melodic. And these guys came out, no, no, we wanted to be, you know, our songs are barely crossed the two, two minute mark or three minute yeah. mark, yeah. very fast. Chords are very simple, almost very amateur, but yet not. Mm. You know. Although, although you can argue, right, that in a sense it is also it's all very very basic kind of three chord kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So so, but I think what what was, uh, and and even though of course like most of these punks, they were signed by major labels at the end of the day, but yeah. but right from that aesthetic from the DIY aesthetic, uh, came a lot of kind of indie labels came out. Mm especially the UK, more than the US. I mean, the Pistols ultimately, Sex Pistols ultimately signed by the Virgin, right, which mm-hmm. was an indie, indie, independent label. Then you have, of course, Rough Trade, mm-hmm. uh, Cherry Red, then Factory oh, yeah. and Creation and all that ultimately la, down the line. La, right? So that, that's when um, we can say that uh, in, when, it, when you go into the 80s, right, indie music or indie pop in UK became a genre in its own right. And also in the UK, if you you know read the mag the music mags in those yeah. days, they had a indie music chart, which was the yeah. first time. Yeah. So they had an indie music chart. Yeah, and, that's right. And so that's that's where kind of how it all kind of evolved. Yeah. Uh, like we were saying, like, I mean, you have from punk, you have you know a lot of genres that, that that come out of it, right? But the whole idea was that the sense of you know this independence and this uh, indie aesthetic. Right, mm. so a lot of them were like also DIY labels, and a lot of them, especially those who are a bit more independently minded, would be doing their own stuff. And then from there, you have you know the hardcore scene mm. and, and mm. emo and, and all those things, lah, Right, then yeah. you have in, in in Singapore though, um, the indie years actually only begin, I think, like a decade after everybody else. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, uh, well, arguably, you historically the first. I mean, opposition party mm-hmm. is, is probably recognized as the first uh, Singapore punk band. So I think their origin is like eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, eighty five, eighty five. Yeah, eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. But of course, uh, uh, 
just before that also we had Zircon Lounge, right? Yep, the Zircon Lounge was this formed one. in the late 70s mm. by Chris Ho. Uh, it, it actually came from a band called Transformer. Transformer, which, which was, is... <laughs> it's a tribute to Lou Reed. Um, yeah. And then it's yeah, so from Transformer that was in the late 70s, it which morphed is, into Zircon. Damien was also in, uh, Damien Sin, the late mm. Damien Sin, the late great Damien Sin. Yep. And then it, it, it morphed into Zircon yeah. and they released yeah. their first album in their only yeah. album, I think. But I remember like turning on the TV and there was Transformer. Uh, they were performing on TV. Wow. And okay. it was like such a shock to say, what the hell is, <laughs> you know, and then you, 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 know, you see like, you know, they zoom in on Damien and you see that, that, that sneer and that, that leering. Did they have kinda... makeup on as well at that time? I don't know about that, la, but you look at yeah. Damien's face and you're like, oh my God, who let, who let that guy in? <laughs> <laughs> right? And they, were, and they were playing basically rock and roll, la, the yeah. BU rock and rolls. Yeah, or yep. Lou Reed Rock and Roll, depending which version you want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but actually that kind of leads me into this this kind of idea that, right? When we talk about indie pop or indie rock, even UK and US, right? Uh, mm. The the major, the really, it's funny to think about, it, but the major influences, obviously, if you look at it, uh, of course, Velvets, uh, obviously, yeah, right. And then you also get the Birds because. Uh, the jangle and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, then yeah. of course the you know then you have the so called so called proto punk guys, mm. so called uh, because back yeah. in those days nobody called they, it. They did, yeah, they weren't punk until right? yeah. So it's like Iggy la, and the Stooges. Yeah. Uh, then you have the New York Dolls as we, we mentioned before, MC Five. Yeah. All these are the standard one. Uh, you talk about oh proto punk, yeah. Okay, we just put all these names in. Yeah. <laughs> right. So definitely, if you kind of listen to all those bands. Uh, you will see also uh, the influence uh, on the the uh, Singapore the nascent indie, indie scene. Indie. Like if you talk about OP or or, mm. or Zircon Lounge, because Zircon Lounge is a bit more sophisticated sounding than, than OP la. One other band that came out during that time um, was Corporate Toil, mm, yeah, which yeah. are synth with their synth-led sounds. You know, if you listen, to, I mean, frankly, if you listen to the early stuff, it sounds. I would, I mean, for me, la, some of the some of the early tracks sound a bit like a uh, craft uh, work. Craft work, yeah, yeah, you know, you from, that, from that, from that, yeah. Work. <laughs> You can't run away from <laughs> tender la. Like I say, it's all yeah, these yeah. kind of things are it's standard, a, yeah. right? It's Suicide, a, yeah. true, la, true, true. Work, la. Then when you talk about the the bridge la, then you talk about the bash early OMD. Yep, yeah, Gary, Gary Newman, Newman. That's right. Yeah. And then it just go, keeps going la. My Friends. 
Singapore, it was quite clearly defined. Yes. You get the loud guys, like OP yeah. and all that. And then you get these other guys who are just going on another uh, a totally different tack, you know. But at the end of the day, the idea of an indie band, band, I think only came about, I think with the Odd Fellows. Yes. Um, like they kind of cemented everything. They had that, that so-called punk ethos. Mm. Uh, but they had the sounds of bands like uh, like like what you're mentioning, like the 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 jangle bands, mm. so REM replacements, you know, mm. a very very Haskadoo, well. yeah, yeah. So they came, they more or less like cemented the idea of what an indie band ought to be from that from that period, the late '80s through to the early '90s. them who are getting wet I'm up in the clouds and breathing fresh air But if you want me to come down My feet's on the ground I'll be there in a little while I'll be around Any band who heard that all wanted to be or saw Odd Fellows as their benchmark you know that's where we want to that's where we want to hit and, and that's who we want to be. Back then in the early 90s, that's when the word indie kind of entered into the local vernacular. Lah. Yep. Right? So like it came to a point, I remember, that whenever anybody uh, in the media or that, they may say indie band, they talk about local band. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It became it's synonymous, true. which is weird, lah, right? Yeah. It became synonymous with the indie band. There's no need to say local band anymore. To say, oh yeah, indie band, indie band. That means it's a local band. Yeah. Right. So it's funny how the, you know, how the, the the kind of terminology can kind of morph in that way. It doesn't matter what you played, like yeah, all of them are all <laughs> indie music. Oh, all indie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, indie yeah. music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think it, 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 the indie scene also was helped by Big O magazine. Yeah, of course. Which was a yeah. fanzine that really started yeah. supporting all these local bands. If you want to go a bit further back, uh, if people want to know, because um, you know Big O came out of uh, basically the Singapore Monitor. Mm. Uh, the Chia brothers, uh, Michael and Philip, and, and yep. Stephen Tan, Stephen Tan as well, is their brother-in-law. Um, basically had a kind of a pop culture column or yeah. Yeah, I mean basically it was, it was monitor, like yeah. an insert like a yeah. lifestyle insert inside the monitor and pop I'm not sure how long they had it so like they were like really full-blown on music film and, and comic books and everything right so I do remember mm. back then when I first started coming across this single monitor it was like wow okay there are people who actually like mm. this stuff like I do you know so yeah. like, actually I felt less of a freak Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Because you know, uh, back then, right? So like, it's 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 hard to find that kind of geek pop culture. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, in 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 Singapore. So, uh, so that was you know that's kind of like the 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 uh the the real birth of Bigola because mm. once the monitor basically shut down, yeah. Uh, then they basically went on to do like this fancy DIY thing, and then it kind of evolved. And it grew uh, together, yeah. you know, in tandem with the, the, the local music scene into yeah. something that was, you know, you know, all things considered quite big, right? <laughs> when you when you look at the 80s and you think, 
and you look at what basically resulted in, 90, let's say, 95. Yeah. I hit 95. You, you, you never yeah. imagine 95, yeah. you will have that kind of scene. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, even though it was still relatively small, but still, you know, uh, in a sense, it was... Uh, compared to what was there before, I I don't I mean to me it wasn't that small per se. In okay maybe in terms of numbers, mm. you know yeah okay fine, but if you if you're looking at like in terms of critical reach awareness and stuff like that, it was actually quite a big thing. Ask anybody who was was you know a youth in those days, and uh, if they like music, chances are they'll be at the substation mm. because practically every week there was a gig going on. Yep. And it's not just like a, a one-hour or two-hour show. These gigs, like it's like a mini festival where they'll play from the afternoon all the way to the night, um, sometimes 12 hours, you know, straight on through from noon all the way to midnight <laughs> until they get told that they're too loud and have to shut down. Mm. Um, yeah, so there was this, there was Substation was one of them. Um, I also recall like a lot of the other venues you know, your, your shopping centre atriums, you get an indie band playing there and they'll be playing their own mm. stuff. Mm. You know, I'm not talking about covers bands, which were plentiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so these guys, yeah. so, so you get um, festivals were organised to accommodate these acts, you know, and they will play, and, and the orders, the orders venues. Uh, I remember one, I remember one with Ordinary People, my band AWOL, and I can't remember, there was a third band and we did a gig in the Apollo, Apollo restaurant. Huh? Uh, yep. The huh? Pichet Curry restaurant, we were there standing next to, <laughs> you know where the counter where you go and choose your food? Yeah, huh? the, the band set up was there <laughs> and, they were, and, they were, <laughs> and they were just, they were playing. We were just playing all our stuff. Uh, what but, you but that, yeah, but that shows you the impact on culture. I think, I think really for me, uh, the best thing, uh, most significant thing about, uh, for me personally, about uh, the so-called 90s indie scene was that uh, part of the aesthetic was that you had to do your own music, mm. right? So yep. like, like you know, if you did covers or if you like you totally did covers, I mean, you could do one or two covers, that's fine. Mm. But if your whole set was a cover, you do covers, you'd be literally really, really from the ball to boot on the stage, right? True. Because, yeah. yeah, because the part of the aesthetic was like, what, what, who are you? What are your songs? Yeah. What are you writing about? What are you singing about? Right. So it's yeah. no longer so it's such a different and that that's something we've not had in Singapore, especially during the eighties. Yeah. Uh, that's most, true. Most of the time, right? Yeah. Apart from your Digley or your Zakan Lounge, mm. most of the time everybody is like mostly doing covers. Yeah. So it's it, it's you know it's funny because like recently I saw someone you know post on Facebook, uh, Facebook oh your favorite local love song. Then somebody's uh, within within you are no, within you remain yeah yeah that's, so that's I'm good. like very tempted to say uh that's written <laughs> by Hong Kongers uh, so please talk, don't talk about a kind boy yeah no you know, nah, I mean, but but I mean technically speaking you know Tokyo Square did a much better job than China which was the original band who did that song <laughs> yeah, yeah but it's you know it's uh, yeah it's, like, still, it's not it's still it's still a cover <laughs> yeah that's true oh yeah. But yeah, I, I totally agree about this thing of writing your own music. Yep. Big O, when they organized their series of concerts and competitions at the New School Rock competition, that was their caveat. And when they started releasing music, like, your, you know, con compilations and stuff, that was also a caveat for them. Yeah. I remember we were asked to do a, a compilation called Gang Bang. Gang Bang, yes. <laughs> I don't know why it was called Gang Bang, but 
we didn't even know what the title was. We were like, hey, you want to put a couple of your own songs? Yeah, sure, let's go and record. We all trooped into this tiny little studio, recorded it live. The whole thing just played out. And then uh, they just released it and it was, it was great, quite polished. Yeah, yeah. Out of all the things that came out before, which was yeah. usually just basically they photostat your yeah, cover yeah. image on a thing. It's all black and white. This is colored. So it's a colored uh, liner. Um, it had all the different, all the information that you needed inside mm-hmm. the band, who's in the yeah, band, yeah. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. that never was seen yeah, before. Yeah. yeah, I remember getting in and, and, and being very intrigued about it. Yeah. And another one that another compilation that was quite uh, which I used to kind of pick up also because I just wanted to discover new local bands was MIS. Mm, yes. Me in Singapore. In Singapore. Yeah. So yeah, they have volume was... one, volume two, you know, but that was very low fi though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Extremely low fi But it's fine now because that's those are the days where it's not about the quality of the sound. Yeah, the spirit was a lot more willing than yeah. than the actual execution. Correct, correct. Yeah. But, 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 but basically, what it was is a real uh, uh, renaissance of mm. the you music. Know, Singapore uh, creativity, mm. right? That's I, true. Mean, I mean, that's a <coughs> bit of a cliche of creativity in Singapore, but that's really when it first kind of blossomed. Of course, you have films, you have Eric and Eric Koo and all that. Yep. Right? Yep. So it's also in the 90s. So everything like was you know, was, happening at the same yeah, time. It was it was quite interesting. I mean, that quite a big deal, you know, at a time that and and the thing was floated out that Singapore could become a, an arts hub for the region. Yeah. It, was, it was during this period that whole, yeah, yeah, whole yeah. thing so about you want to be at the arts hub. That's why we had all that stuff. Ten years later, you know, Renaissance <laughs> City and you know that kind of thing, yep, yep. So where did it start? Come from? It started from the local music scene, more or yeah, less. it was. Yeah. Which was a grassroots, independent yep. indie. Yeah. Right. And had nothing to do with the government. It was all yeah. It's all done by people who just wanted to do stuff. and yeah, Decided yeah, to yeah. just go yeah, ahead and exactly. do it. Exactly. That's very. That's a very punk ethos. Exactly. The music is yeah, not punk. Yeah. So you know, I mean, if you're not Singaporean or you're living in those days, if you're a foreigner or what, and you got to think, what's the big deal about being creative mm. in Singapore, right? It sounds so funny for us to say it. But, but that's because, uh, you know, in Singapore, uh, after a very vibrant uh, 60s music scene, uh, in the early 70s, the government basically clamped down mm. on, on rock and roll, long hair, yeah. dogs, and all that sort of thing. Because they kind of associated everything, they lumped everything together. Yeah. So basically, the in the 70s, basically, the music scene basically died. died yeah. more, more or less. Right? So then it be, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, yeah. it became a bit of a stigma right? to be a, a musician. Caveat, caveat. Uh, you can become a classical musician. Uh, not pop, but, not yeah, rock. Yeah. But, but not even, rock musician. <laughs> but even then, my understanding was that there wasn't much in terms of classical music either. Well, then. yeah, the SSO did not really come in to play much until later, the second half of the 70s. Yeah, and yeah, in fact, they were, they were actually, there was actually talk about 
just shutting it down totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so that's what it means. So, so they didn't understand the arts, they didn't understand pop culture in the 70s because, of course, right, you know, people always say, well, because we're, you know, we had more important things to think about, concerns yeah. or whatever, whatever, okay, like, yeah. whatever you want to say, whatever you justify it now, up to you. But that resulted, right, in the 80s, uh, Singapore becoming a cultural desert. Like. So you got to mm. see, see it in context. It is not something that we're just saying because the, the government even recognized, right? So the late uh, yeah. Ong Ting Chong, right? The late Ong Ting Chong actually said, we got to do something because Singapore cannot be a cultural desert, mm, right? Because then we will how to redevelop further if we are cultural desert. We have to have a culture. Yeah, well, there have been quite a few different papers written about it as well. Yep. Uh, you, I, you can find all these online. Just, just look Singapore rock band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> band as in B-A-N, <laughs> not B-A-N. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the um, thing is, this idea that, you know, that this idea that Singaporeans are not creative, not artistic, all those things, it kind of comes mm. from there. So that's where, the, that's the background for why people, you know, generally think that way, which is a very unusual because anywhere else outside Singapore will kind of scratch their head and like, wow, what are you guys I, talking about? But it, it was quite interesting because I was, I was reading a paper uh, written by this lady called Lily Kong, mm. um, and she documents this whole, um, or she did research into this whole era from mm. 1970 through to 1991 or the early 90s. Okay. And she covers the whole period and what happened and why the scene went up and down and mm. you know, it was so big in the 60s and all of a sudden it just disappeared in the 70s and 80s. Even up to the 90s though, there was this thing. So despite the fact that you had all these bands coming out. You had Odd Fellows. You had everybody coming in. You know, you get bands coming into Singapore, uh, and local bands will be doing gigs with, on the same stage as these guys. Uh, they had a music festival called the Sentosa Music Festival. Yes. Headliners were Bon Jovi, um, Jimmy Barnes, this rocker from the Australia. From the Asian side, the big name was Andy Lau. Mm. It was huge at that point in time. Of course, of course. And then the local bands all opened for these guys. Mm-hmm. So like opposition party was, <laughs> we like <laughs> wow. to say opposition party was the opening act what for, a choice. for Bon Jovi. What a choice. Brilliant, what a choice. right? <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely brilliant. On the flip side of it, all it took was just one newspaper report in the new paper, which mm. showed a picture of people in the mosh pit. Henry Rollins, I think it was the gig. Henry Rollins, yeah. Yeah, it was a Henry yeah, Rollins a gig. SLF. SLF. Henry Rollins gig. They showed people in the mosh pit. And the uh, headline, stage I still remember, diving, stage diving, stage diving, yeah, slam dancing, basically. Yep. And yep, yep, yep. the headline was, "Would you let your kid to end up or yes. do this? Would you let your kid do this? Yeah, mm. like that kind of pushback was yeah, yeah, there yeah. already, um, you know. And then of course there was the old fury after that, and you know, the brouhaha that came along. Like, oh, is this good? Is that good? That was why, in the later half of the second half of the nineties. There was a new rule coming out or a new law that if you wanted to hold a gig, you had to pay $2,000 upfront mm. as a deposit. Yep. If anybody slam danced in the show, yep. during the show, you lose your deposit. Yep, yep. Now, at that time, $2,000 for an independent organizer of gigs mm. is a, lot a of very money. big yeah. sum. This is it's consistent with how they've been doing things yep. right? Every you know in every generation. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, yes, pay, but right? it doesn't exist anymore, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, but you still have to uh, send your lyrics into IMDA la, now. Uh, these days, yeah, for shows yeah, and all that, you still need to. I mean, 
across, I think the only, the only so-called safe haven, which was, which was what Alfian San mentioned a few years ago, is uh, the only arts is the literary arts, where you don't have to send in your manuscript oh. for consideration. As long as it's not, uh, it doesn't break all the, the OB markers, uh, right? Your, your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. sedition, what, you know, uh, racial, racial slurs and so on. Racial, kind of religious. Stuff, you know, religious and, yeah. Yeah, as long as you don't cross those, you, know, you, don't, yeah, you, yeah, don't, yeah. you don't go against any of that kind of stuff, you can yeah. actually write anything yep, yep, in yep. your book, technically speaking. Technically, like, yeah. yeah, technically speaking. But the mountains stay the same. Three ninety four, um, Pony Canyon and a, a Japanese company yes, came in Pony and started recording a lot of local musicians. They had the bulk. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I even go so far as to say maybe fifty to sixty percent of all recorded music was done. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they spent they, 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 spend yeah, they spent a, a ton. Then I think in ninety seven, ninety eight, the mm. when the financial crisis hit. Yes, all, all went down. There was tips. no way people could recoup all their losses. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Pony Canyon folded. A lot of bands were left in the lurch. They were halfway through recording an album mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And recording at the time was very expensive. I mean, Joe Ng, um, Corporate Toils Joe Ng, later the Padres Joe Ng, mm. um, wrote, a, wrote a, a nice essay in this book called No Final Time to Be Alive yeah. about the actual costs involved in, in recording a band. Yeah. And in his estimate, um, the cost for putting a band putting in a proper, you know, go to a studio and record it properly and stuff and market it and all that kind of stuff would come up to about $40,000 mm. at that time. At that time, yes. Yeah, at the time. I mean, if you really want to do it, you know, in a professional... Yeah, in a recording studio. and back, actual, in, you know, in, in, in a proper manner. La. Yeah. Not, not in a lo-fi indie manner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in a lo-fi indie manner. La. That, I mean, you know, can you imagine like... So let's say, right, you have two bands in your roster mm. and you wanted to record them properly make a nice CD album and, you know, push it properly, you, your, as a company, you'll be down like $80,000 straight. If you sell a CD at, say, 20 bucks or whatever it is at the time, mm. um, you know, that's a whole, <laughs> a whole yeah, lot of... Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make commercial sense like, at the end of the day. It was very, very difficult to convince people to pay for that. For um, local the, music? La. Yeah, for local music. For fans, because the fans, A, the fans... Are, are, are young, they don't have that kind of disposable income that they can buy every single local mm. music CD that comes out. Yeah. So between them, you ask them to choose between U2 or REM and Opelos. I mean, it is no contest. Uh, you know, the Odd Fellows, despite mm. selling, mm. you know, two to 3,000 copies, yeah. it's still you know, such a small fraction compared yeah, to... Yeah, it is, it is. So, so any idea what the, 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 the I mean, I don't know, in the nineties, like let's say, what a top, let's say, the, the best selling CD in the nine, let's say, one year in the nineties, it could be Mandopop, wow. it could be whatever. How okay. how many copies would it sell? Would you think? Here in Singapore, yeah, in Singapore. Like, let's say the best selling, let's say Michael Jackson. How does oh, how many okay, how okay. many how, what is the what is the, the top level? Wow. Okay, I'm not too sure about that one. 
<laughs> that's why I'm wondering also, also at that time you know sound scan wasn't available <laughs> so we can't actually yeah, I mean, actively track roughly but I mean, one, you look, what do you I mean, think I think I would say nearly 8 10? to 10 yeah, 10 8 to 10 yeah, that's what I was thinking I so. would say yeah uh, so maybe so like the local like music the, top will be about 20% of that yeah if you're, if you're lucky lah, 20% generally people so would be lucky to sell a thousand copies yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I mean, I mean democracy sold 3,000 you're in the top, you're in the like the, the yeah, which is like scratching my head. <laughs> the top now, 1% like, what? of the, wow. the, the bottom. Once you find out, okay, at the time I, th- I didn't know what, what 3000 meant, but then now, right. like, in hindsight, like, actually, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, pretty, that's pretty, true, de- that's pretty decent. That's pretty decent. That's pretty decent. Pretty decent at the end of the day. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but let's face it, like, at the end of the day, you still need to eat. You can't rely on music as your. Because everybody who was in a band was still doing a day job, yeah, recording course, at night. Of course, la. So there was no way, you know. No way, la. I mean, you know, if you're a US band, okay, you, you can do a US tour. That's a lot of <laughs> That's gigs, true. That's right? True. That's a lot yep. of gigs, yep. right? I mean, apart from, I mean, even then, if you do one capital city, yeah, yeah. fifty gigs, yeah, yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So they had something yeah. to, to, to go full time for, yeah. But even then, it was tough. Yep. yep. Right, because they don't get much album royalties. Yeah. The gig circuit here, apart from all these shows like uh, I was talking about, like Substation, you know, your your Marina gigs, which are all free. Um, yeah. They had gigs at, at Lido, where Isetan is. Yeah, Lido. Yeah. So they Lido had a big complex. atrium yeah. outside outside yeah. Uh, the basement. Then there was one also in World Trade. Yep, World Trade Center, Amphitheater. I think people played there. Yeah. Um, you know, but all these shows were mostly free shows. Free la, free la. Yeah. I mean, uh, nobody's gonna pay la. So, 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 yeah. so, so, so. Therefore, you know, the whole point of this is that that's why it's indie, right? If you were an indie band or you were, uh, you know, pushing, you're playing indie gigs and all that, it's really for love and passion of things because mm. there's no money in it. And I don't think, you know, a lot of people really do appreciate that. So, like, sometimes they see, oh, oh this band mm-hmm. in a magazine or, or you hear them on radio, especially local bands, and you, you kind of don't think twice about how does this band even survive, <laughs> right? It's really purely they're kind of like, you know, running on fumes, you know, because yep. there's no money in it at all whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. Getting a, get that, that's why getting a spot on as a supporting act for a big name band was yeah, yeah. always very, very... Like, uh, this, that was what we, yeah. we all aimed for, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit, a bit, of, a, bit of a windfall, not much. But no, least, not much, but at least more than, at least more than $40 a yeah. day. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, sometimes this, that's the thing, you see, because, right, people don't understand actually how difficult it is. So, like, if you have, you know, be, people going on stage... And, you know, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to boo this guy because I don't like this music. Or, but you mm. know, don't even think about how difficult it is. What is the journey of this particular band just wow. to get on, to, on that yeah. stage? Yeah. 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 Right. So especially in Singapore, especially if it's an indie band, right, playing their own music, and mm. putting it out there and doing stuff, right? So it, it's, it's taken, all these things are taken for granted. That's right. true. So, true. so in the end, and then in the end, you end up as a non-essential thing on, on some stupid, <laughs> stupid hole, right? So without appreciating what actually is involved, 
Yeah. Right. The, the, the perseverance and the problem solving and the creativity and all those things. Right? Yeah. It's not appreciated at all. Right? Yeah. yeah that's right. the whole problem. Right? Yeah. Radio station. Forgot to play. Your favorite song on a lovely day. The boy lost his patience. The one who Is it because we are so results oriented that we yeah, don't see well. the journey towards the result? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, it, that, that's a that's a good observation actually. And and and, and like I think we may have mentioned talk about before. I mean, if you look at the the example of let's say the, the Olympians, right? Yeah. So schooling win the medal and all that sort of thing, right? But you know, nobody sees, you know, like all the years that his parents Right, had to put in money, mm. right? That's true. Bring overseas, and it's probably in a million, yeah, at least a million yeah, dollars definitely. or whatever it is, right? Definitely. So, yeah, like right. that, like ultimately, right? Okay, you get the, the gold medal, which is a fantastic achievement. Okay, then we kind of recognize you and pay you something. But up, yeah. up to that point, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's pittance. Yeah. Right? The support they give you is pittance. We had to kind of go out there, and, and you know how difficult that is, right? Mm. For the parents to really, like, you know, literally you know, put their, their mm-hmm. life on hold just to kind of support their son to push him through all these sort of things. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy. I mean, it, it's crazy. I know I have similar yeah. sons, so I know how it works. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's the thing. So uh, a lot of people don't actually see that. I mean, yeah. So I think people use it as a benchmark. Oh, you're on radio. Therefore, yeah. Or you're, playing, or you're playing babies, so therefore you yeah. need it. Or yeah, babies, or you're on TV. I mean, it is kind of, uh, uh, you know, it is multiplied, you know. The difficulty is multiplied when you're in the band, right? Yep. Because you have no kind of label behind you. You have, yep. no, you have no backing. No, no financial backing behind you. Hmm. So everything is really literally out of your own resources. Yep. Right? And, yep. and you're really DIY doing it yourself. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and really, it's really about the music. Nothing else. One of the main things was the fact that the quality of recording wasn't great um, when it comes to the demos and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, but once radio realized that you know the bands being recorded like properly in the studios and stuff like that, they did actually give quite a lot of support. In the way, like they started playing all the songs. That's how talk, the bands. You're talking about the nineties, lah. Yeah, the nineties, lah. Nineties, yes. This is nineties. Yes. Fair play you know, to the nineties, yes. Fair play to them, lah, because they actually started getting the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, you know, so Humback Oak, your Odd Fellows, um, you know, Livonia, Tanya Chua started out as an indie musician singing English songs. Yes, yes. yes, yes to Chinese, yes, yes. you know, Padres, Lizard's mm-hmm. Convention, Sugarflies, you name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all yeah. the all the so-called big names from that era, all yeah. Yeah, yeah. got on radio, all were play on radio, were featured on TV. And they actually had like, you know, number one hits on radio. I mean, you yeah. had a number one hit on radio as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so... So, so yes, indeed, right? So, actually, yeah, kudos to... I mean, I remember... I mean, I, I, mean, I do remember some of the DJs. Uh, was it a Suresh Menon? Yeah. So, I remember him like... I mean, he, I think, was with, with, with Media... Was it called Media Pop then? I think it was... 
TCS, TCS or whatever. Yeah, so he was really excited about democracy and he would just play it. And of course, the other one that was great was the NQC Heart. Heart, yeah, yeah. You're very, very supportive. Of Watchmen, yeah, very yeah. supportive. Like Pamela Wahart. Pamela Wahart, yeah. Yeah, very, very supportive. So yeah, so I just, so it's it's, and you look at it now, and it, it seems like such an anomaly, right? Mm. Because everything after the nineties, like when the radio didn't support or refused to support local music whatsoever. I mean, at least like you know, five six years ago, right? I was still hearing, uh, you know, like the local radio stations saying things like they hate local music things like that mm, mm. you know DJs putting down local music or rem- I remember when SG Music was trying to kind of suggest or pro- a pro- propose SG Music the Singapore Music Society mm. uh, I was a, one of the founders back then so we were trying uh, maybe five six years ago or maybe more to introduce or to suggest a quota, local music quota yep, yep. For, for, for Mediacorp, right? And then the minister comes up and say, oh, no, no, it's, a lot of it is not broadcast quality. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah, man. It's, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, that's the that's funny thing, you know. It's been proven in other countries with, yes. pop, with populations around our size yeah. or even bigger populations like Canada, New Zealand. Canada. Uh, yeah. It's been proven that when you establish this, you establish your scene very quickly. Exactly. If you give, you give radio. Yeah, a, do, a, a yeah do, a, do a simple research. All in the, you'll see Europe, Canada, yeah. and Australia. They support their music, like musicians, like nothing else. Man. You know, the good example of doing this kind of thing, you know what it is? It's the NDP songs and the so-called national songs. Mm. When I was growing up, there was this song they used to play on TV and on radio every every day. It was uh, Singapura, sunny island set in the sea. <laughs> I heard it so often. Every day, they just play it. Every day. They just play it. And, yeah. and then you you get to know the song. And then yeah. anybody my age and all that will know that song straight away. You just sing yeah. the first line, they can continue the song. It's like your Chan Mali Chans. It's like your, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the Tan yeah, Jong yeah, yeah. Tatongs. Yeah, correct. They played all those songs so regularly on TV and on radio that we it just became seeped into us. Same with the NDP songs. Um, yep, yep. Stand Up for Singapore. Why is everybody saying that that's one of the best songs ever for an NDP thing? It it started out as a national community song. It wasn't an NDP song per se. It was just a it's, national song. It's not written by Singaporean. Yeah. Yeah, that one not. <laughs> <laughs> the first three were not. The last one, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, because they played it so often, Dick Lee's home, as, mm. as sung by Kit Chan, is now such a, is, is a classic. La. Say what you like about it. You can't, you can't take, take that away. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and why? Because we kept hearing it. We yeah. even heard it before yeah. NDP. We heard it yeah. before NDP. Then they took it as an NDP song. And then it became even bigger. Yeah. So, you know... It, it, it's just a matter of getting that kind of thing that's, and that's, that's how it works that's how it always works yeah. my, my, my look at it now is that Singapore indie strictly speaking doesn't exist anymore right mm-hmm. it's just it's just music right right yeah so to me the label doesn't apply anymore um, you know because there's nothing really defining about them as Singaporean music anymore not like the 90s at least you can say that all fellows is 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, or even in any of those bands, right? As you can say, oh, this these are Singapore bands, but you know, I think that that they they are kind of like, which is a good thing, right? We can kind of come to this point and we can kind of throw off the so-called Singapore label, yeah, yeah, and, and just stand on their own. Yeah, so, you know, we have schools dedicated to music. No, that's least, true. Yeah, you have LaSalle. Or, or courses, and, yep. Yeah, you have SP, you have RP. So it's very different. We didn't have that in the 90s. Yep. You know, we are kind of deliberately then churning out musicians. When mm. back in those days, there's no encouragement to do so. Yeah. So it's very different. So like I said, I mean, if they are doing it now, then something is wrong, right? Mm. Because the, all the platforms are there. It's so easy to record now. And if you're not making your own music, and you're you know now then that means mm-hmm. that means when, there's, yeah. there's no musicians here at all which is not the case obviously mm-hmm. yeah so i'm not too surprised about that okay yeah uh, it's only it's only my own prejudices about <laughs> uh, you know bands and, and pop rock music and stuff like that which is kind of like you know you ha- you still have i mean of course yeah, no, I mean, but, but it's, it's, it's you know or even you know singer songwriters uh, also, I mean, there are, of course, but um, still trying to see right, what, what we have now like, in terms of uh, what we had before. Yeah. Okay, I have to admit that in the last decade, my, my favorite local album to come out, well, not last decade, maybe in the last five years or so, has been uh, or was Tom Girl, which I thought fused yeah. this whole thing very well. <laughs> which is quite retro. Yeah, which is a very retro-sounding record. Definitely. Very noir-ish, 50s, 60s kind of vibe. But, you know, compared to, compared to, to all the other stuff at the time, like, that, was, that was my, my thing. I, I thought that was like, the best thing I've heard in years. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, for me, it's always the same thing. I mean, you know, it's got to have a melody that sticks in my head. And, mm. You know, you, 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 you know, and you got to be distinctive, la, as, yep. as far as what you are about. Of course, like I said, the melody is going to work, and you know, I mean, the lyrics. I mean, you know, it's got to make a statement. La, yeah. This, yeah. Right. So if you have that, then okay, you know, okay, then you, then you, then you have a, then probably have the right to exist, la. If not, <laughs> if not, right, then it's like. Then it's a waste of time in air, basically. <laughs> yeah. You okay. Know. Yeah. <laughs> right. All but right. this this melody la, if, you, if you don't have melody, then. Yep. Content is king. Content is king. Yeah. Yeah. King, yeah. Okay. I think and with that, I think. Yep. We can safely end this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We hope you learned something you know, <laughs> from our here. ramblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hour or yeah. This, this, we might have to split this up into like five different episodes. If we <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, we hope, yeah, we hope you you've enjoyed this episode. If you do, please like and subscribe. Uh, leave a comment or review yeah. wherever you let can. Us, let us know your feedback. What do you think of what we were yeah, talk- talking about? Yeah, we are on. We have a subreddit called Lion City Rock, so you can look for that. Um, we also. Uh, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Red Circle, uh, Radio Pub- Radio Public. So any of these things that uh, you find us online, leave a comment. 
leave a like, subscribe to us, and we'll see you next time on another exciting episode of <laughs> Lion City Rock. <laughs> Ciao. Okay, bye-bye.